The Sisters Bloom presents Return to Nature, a podcast showcasing the people and companies reforming their industries with eco-conscious values, proving that even in our modern world, it's possible and necessary to live in alignment with nature. I'm Melissa Bloom, founder of The Sisters Bloom, an eco-conscious stop-motion animation studio. Our mission is to replace the toxic and wasteful practices of the industry with eco-alternatives. I'm here with my sister Allie, who you guys might remember from episode three of Return to Nature, Finding Balance. You can learn more about her there and her journey and starting her business, Allie Life and Design. But today, we are going to be talking about the renovation of the new space for the Sisters Bloom we have been working on this since april of this year and it has been quite the undertaking a lot bigger of a project than we thought but also really special because we've gotten to restore a building that was built in 1949 and that many people have told me since that they thought it would just be a teardown so i actually wanted to start with ali with you talking about how you found the building because you found it yeah, I did. We've been, had been looking for a while and there was kind of like nothing really that fit, nothing really that was big enough in the right area and that just kind of had character, you know, to make it yours. And I just came across it and I sent it to you. I said, this is it. This is this is your building. We found it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I didn't believe you at first. I know, but it kind of was like a divine, sent from divine, because we had talked about it maybe a few weeks earlier of, of, I think I asked you, if you could, you know, manifest your dream studio, what would it be? And you kind of described this space almost exactly. I said I wanted a brick building, but and it's cinder block, but close it was enough. pretty much <laughs> as close as you can get to what I asked for. <laughs> So yeah, and and when we did go to look at it, I remember walking in and it was me and you and my dad. And so I'm in there walking room to room thinking, huh, this is going to work really great for puppets. Oh, this one's going to work really great for set shop. Oh, look, a space for stages. Oh, great storage over here. And each room is ticking the boxes of what a stop motion animation studio needs. At the end, you guys were like, so can you see this as your space? And I was like, you want me to walk you through and show you what every room would be? So that was special because I think we were expecting to have to build something from the ground up or have something just like kind of make it work and fit. And this one literally is an amazing warehouse that has been rented out for years for different purposes and has had new walls built, a new electrical run. And it's just kind of been slowly created for whatever the needs have been throughout the years. So We'll go a little more into the history and stuff. I don't know if I should start just by talking a little more about getting started with the renovation and what we thought it would entail. Yeah, and I think also just something really neat about this project is that it is from 1949 and we did find some like original elements and also just kind of taking everything down and exposing some things that are were building practices of that time that we don't do anymore. And that was really special, I think, for us to see. Yeah, so we'll definitely go like category by category about that. But our general contractor did find old newspapers and he said they were, I was like, why didn't you save them for me? And he said they were like really decrepit and yucky. And so he like, they just needed to be thrown away. But um, but I wish I could have seen those because that would, it's like a piece of history. So something else interesting is that I did go to our historic museum downtown and they did not have any information on this specific building. So the closest I got was I went to the courthouse and found the original deed for the land that was from the 1800s and signed by the vice president and the secretary of state at the time. And I got to actually like look at it in the book, which was really cool. But again, that was just the land by the railroad tracks, because this is right behind the railroad tracks. And apparently they just kept sectioning it off throughout the years. So the only other piece I found is when I went down to the building department, which didn't exist until the 60s here, they told me that it was last renovated in 1992 or three, and that on a 1963 like fire department map, it shows this building was a, an auto shop. So 
from 1949 to 1963. It could have also been an auto shop or it could have been something else, something with the train and storage or, you know, some sort of warehouse factory. I'm not sure, but that's about as close as we've gotten to the history of it. <laughs> that's something else that was really special about just the location of the building is uh, it does back up to the old train tracks, which they've converted to the beautiful walking trail with the green grass and the trees. And it's just like kind of a nice natural element that's, you know, on the property and and yeah. in the space. Yeah. And that's something about where we live in the Flathead Valley is that a lot of people have been concerned about the amount of development happening here. But what's also neat is they're trying to restore a lot. So they're trying to restore downtown Kalispell and still open it up for tourism like the walking path was supposed to, you know, be better for for that. But it's also really special for locals and to to see other people that we know who are trying to restore buildings down there. So this is probably a dream come true, like best case scenario of what could have happened for the studio space. So we started this renovation in April while there were still some people renting the front. So our contractor was able to get started in the back. And something kind of cool is that we've had another project we've done this on with our contractor where I kind of double team with him, where I'm also kind of the general contractor getting the the people in for um, subcontracting like plumbing and electrical because I already have some of those connections and it's just always kind of how we've worked together and it's funny because as we've been going through this process I told you Elise that it's kind of feels like directing like general contracting is just the directing of construction because you have the overall vision and you know how all of the different pieces work and fit together and when they need to happen, but you don't necessarily have the skills to do them. So you hire the right people for the job and then orchestrate them coming in at the right time and doing the job. So it's kind of been funny because I didn't think I'd be in the construction business, but it's kind of just an extension of what I already do. <laughs> exactly. I think something that was so exciting was when our contractor started tearing down walls and, you know, kind of exposing some areas, exposing some cinder block. And we found that beautiful steel casement window that we exposed and are refurbishing currently right now. New glass. And I just think that was probably the most exciting part of, of kind of like the original demo, the beginning demo. That definitely was, and that actually is a really great place to start with the different categories because those windows are what we fell in love with when we looked through the building. And of course, the inspector says, oh, you'll probably want to replace them or see if you can fix these because the glass is really thin and they're original and they're not very good for energy efficiency. And so I was determined to keep these original windows because for those of you who don't know, these steel casement windows are literally built into the cinder block. So you don't just add them after like a normal window that you like a wood window or an aluminum window that you would do in a normal like residential construction. They literally built the window into the cinder block brick by brick. So of course, I was like, I'm not ripping these out. <laughs> I want these. So what we ended up doing is I found out through um, actually through a contact locally who used to do our local glass recycling. He does some restoration projects. His name is Dave Fischlowitz. And I was like, Dave, I feel like you're the guy to ask this. Like, where do I go if I want to renovate a window, <laughs> like rest restore a window? And he connected me to this amazing company out of Helena called Preserve Montana. And they came out and took a look and made a game plan. So what they ended up doing was we had to test if there was lead in the window, asbestos, if what kind of paint had been on it. There were like four or five layers of paint. There was like yellow and green and red. I don't know who was there before painting the windows green and red. But so we ended up scraping the windows, sanding the windows, repriming the windows, and they pulled the glass out, pulled the old putty out, and put new laminate glass in that's more insulated. And it's, it's still not the most energy efficient you could be, but considering we're going to restore the building and we weren't just trying to renovate for energy efficiency, that's why this was the best case scenario for keeping the windows. And also, it's a cinder block building, so that's incredibly energy efficient already. It's not, you know, a typical build that we would see right now, um, the way it was built. 
Right, right, exactly. And the nice thing about that is we actually did not have to put air conditioning in because we're going to wait and see how it goes. We put a couple fans in. So, so far, so good. We went through the whole summer of them renovating and no one complained. And they had a thermometer in there that looked like it read between 60 and 70 at any given time. Even though it was 100 degrees outside. Thank you. Exactly. (laughs) So... That was exciting, and we do we do have the original heating units that were in there, and we've kind of decided just for you know efficiency cost of the build and everything that we would wait to replace those till they actually need to be replaced. So at least we will be heated, and we did re-insulate with a mineral wool fiber, which was the most eco-friendly we could find locally and to fit our budget. I think ideally I would have loved like a Havelock wool, but right. you have to like ship that from New Zealand right. and it was a lot of insulation needed. So what's nice is our contractor came from the insulation industry or he used to do that for a while. And so he actually was able to consult with some people and figure out the best way to do it in our building, which was actually just putting it directly onto the, the underside of the roof on the ceiling of the warehouse and then we we ended up making our own ceilings of course under that for each room so so the whole building literally even up to storage and everything is completely insulated it's it definitely feels good in there so that was that was exciting and then speaking of you know insulation let's talk about sound insulation because that was like a really exciting and kind of like huge part of you know, our planning and process for the studio was to have the sound room. Right. So the sound room for recording voiceovers, for recording podcasts. Uh, It's a very important element for animation. And it was something I knew from the get go I wanted to have in a studio space and not just have a room, you know, a drywall room that you sit in and you just retrofit. And I think For those of you who don't know, most sound rooms generally have sound treatment like foam. There's like a specific acoustic foams you get to line the walls. And, you know, you of course, carpet is normal, but essentially those things aren't very eco-friendly. The foam is treated. The foam is made with chemicals. And so that's actually something I've cared about from the get-go, even in recording this podcast. You can never see it because I don't have video, but we actually have some panels from a company called Snow Sound, which is an eco-friendly sound acoustic company. And there are these panels I can put around the room that can dampen sound and make sure it's not bouncing and echoing off the walls. So that's been amazing just for retrofitting a home office. But for our sound booth, we ended up finding an amazing acoustic cork. And of course, Miss Designer here picked the most beautiful cork. Yeah, not only is it functional and sound insulating, but it's very beautiful and it definitely fits in with the design of the studio. It feels very natural. And when you're in that room, you can tell just the the sound is is completely dampened and just perfect for recording right and this company I don't know if I'm going to say their name right I will link it Jelinek Cork Group they I think are out of Canada and they have a ton of different options not only of colorways um, or like different textures but they also have acoustic versus tack board they have flooring they have all sorts of thicknesses so we were able to get the acoustic for inside of the sound room and then we got a tack board for the big board, which is the board where we will put all of the storyboards and information for stages. It helps organize everybody so they can, anybody animating, anybody scheduling, everybody knows what shot is happening on what stage, what set is up at the time, how long it's going to be on there, and then what will be next on the stage. So it's a really great way to plan and you really do just need a big board. So, And I love that name, big board. Exactly. And ours really is big. It's a very big board. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's uh, really, really cool, too, because this so it's along a whole entire wall within the, the space we call crew area. And that space really is for crew to come and hang out, take a meeting, make some lunch, feel at home, away from home and, you know, be be really held in like the non-toxic environment and and just know that, you know, they can have like a little safe haven, take a break from working so hard. So that's another thing, actually, 
you were the one who came up with the final floor plan. So I remember that went through like three or four iterations because originally we were trying to keep with the original layout because they had had three renters in there, three businesses. So they had done different walls at different times just to get some more rooms in there and some division between the businesses. And little did we know, you know, the original plan was knock a wall or two down, make a room bigger, move something over. And what ended up happening was every time I came to check in, I would be like, that wall looks kind of weird. It looks like it's not standing very steady. And they'd be like, oh, no, it's fine. I'd come back a week later. Oh, we took that wall down. And then, <laughs> oh, like <laughs> sound room was going to just stay as it was as they had it. And we realized you could literally shake the entire wall, which was two rooms. So we had to completely reduce the sound and editing rooms because they would have like toppled over one day. Yeah. So. And I think that happens. I mean, you know, there's little things that come up and in, in especially in renovation, let alone construction. But I think that, you know, at the end of the day, we want to make sure that this is done right and that this is going to last. And not only that, but that it's beautiful and it is. Exactly. And that was the other thing that is interesting because in my, in the studio space and fabrication, especially, I have so much knowledge in that area and I can research and develop at a slow pace. And for this, there wasn't, you know, the realm of construction and, and renovation is, is a little, it's, you know, pivoting over, but it's not quite my forte. So it was kind of interesting because there were things we had to compromise on knowing that they're also going to last a very long time versus being like, my ideal sustainable pick and one example of that was the painting because what ended up happening this is kind of a longer story than it <laughs> needs to be but we raised some of the ceilings we uncovered drywall uh, to i'm sorry uncovered the cinder block under the drywall of the sides of the building and what we found was that this building had been painted several times different colors different heights and so if we left it it was just going to look kind of like a striped building it would be kind of weird and there was like reds and oranges and whites and there was even like a neon yellow in the garage that might have been some sort of chimney at one point it was very strange color choices and so we just wanted to give it a nice coat but my ideal at first was going to be take the paint off and uh, preserve montana told me about dry ice blasting but you would not believe how busy these guys are. I contacted two or three companies. Only two got back to me. Both of them went out to the building. Both of them gave me a quote. And then both of them, one didn't call me back and the other called back to say, hey, we're too busy. We could fit you in like next year. So that was just not an option, which was a bummer because that would have literally gotten all the paint off and restored the cinder block to what it was originally. And so option two was to paint. And so we were looking into milk paint there's a few milk paint companies, and I was very excited about that. We got samples. We picked color and everything. I sent a sample to our painter, and he basically came back and said that this is not going to be the way to go for a 6,000-square-foot cinder block building, that the cinder block's just going to eat up the paint, that it, there's other, you know, the different kind of paints underneath it. We wouldn't know how it was going to react, and we had to paint the wall and the cinder block, and it was just, he was saying you have to mix the powder, so it would have just been kind of a nightmare for him, took in two or three or four times as long. And probably two or three or four times the amount of paint to even get into the cinder block, it would just kind of, you know, absorb. Right, which it does anyway. Mm -hmm. So we ended up having to go with just a zero VOC option of conventional paint, which is not my favorite way to go. But I think thinking of longevity, it actually is going to be very good for the space and the use it's going to get and knowing that like now it won't have to be repainted for so long so and it's important to remember that I mean every space is different and especially like from my point of view as the designer and thinking about the non-toxic elements and the eco-conscious elements you know you can't do everything on every project and you can't be perfect nothing's perfect and so you make the best choice and the best decision for each project within each budget exactly exactly so that was one where, you know, now that it's painted and we walk in, you just, we love it. And we were able to choose a color that was actually similar to the milk paint color. So it feels exactly like what we wanted anyway. And speaking of color, so we're in Montana and about half the year there's snow and it's freezing 
and it's a bit dark, you know, it's not summer, it's not sunny all the time. And so when you step into a space and you're working in a space all day, you know, from my point of view and from an energetic point of view and, and even a frequency point of view, we really wanted to lighten the space up and we didn't want it to feel like a cave and we didn't want it to feel dark and dreary. And we really wanted you to walk in there and feel the vibration and feel the livelihood and feel the the soul of the studio and, and the soul of, of what Melissa's creating. And so I think that we did that. And I think that the paint color we chose it is, it's a very warm, bright, um, white, and it's going to go nice with all the other elements. Yeah, and just speaking of lighting now, that's why it was so important to restore the windows because they give so much amazing natural light. And something I remember from my days working at studios in Los Angeles is just you're in this room that's lit with fluorescent overheads. You're in there for 10 hours and there's no natural light and it's just like it wears on you over time. Like so you get a 10 or 15 minute break a couple times to stand outside in the sun. And other than that, like you're in that room under those fluorescents and it was something I felt very strongly about to have no fluorescent lighting we took it all away there were all drop ceilings all fluorescent lighting so we've replaced that with uh, LED cans from a company called Cree which is a company that does not the least amount of flicker you can get with LEDs because the flicker they create is because they're actually turning off and on imperceptibly to be more energy efficient but that flickers very bad for human eyes and health in general and most people just don't think about that they just think oh leds are energy efficient so that was very important to find that company that cared about that that worked hard to make no flicker leds so that is in each room and we also have a mood lighting in each room with incandescent lights which many people think are the opposite of eco-friendly but we also have to think about especially with elise designing the space of the non-toxic and the health aspects and so i'll let you talk a little about incandescence yeah i think that lighting isn't is interesting to to discuss because there's a lot well in general in this in the realm of non-toxic eco-conscious there's a lot of information out there so we've had to do our own research and we've kind of had to bridge you know all of the toxic conversation and non-toxic conversation with the eco-conscious conversation and we've had to find what that medium looks like and what that balance looks like and love Cree. I'm so glad we found them for the LEDs. You know, you do need some LED options, especially in a space like a commercial space. But I do still love incandescent. They're one of the most uh, healthy light bulbs we have for humans, for animals. But yes, there is some concern with their energy efficiency. So we've chosen to put them in specific spots, in specific locations, in certain rooms, so that there are options, so that you have the option you know, to, to have that warm lighting, to not constantly be under the blue light, to not constantly be under a lighting that is altering your circadian rhythm, that is disrupting your hormone health, you know. And circadian rhythm lighting is something I learned about from, I don't know the man's name, but Test My Home is the company he represents. And that was where we learned about Cree. And that was something I was kind of like, what if we could do circadian rhythm lighting all over the studio? But what ended up happening is I did my research and most circadian rhythm lighting is operated on Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and it's all like very technological to get those bulbs to change color. And so for us, we we would prefer not to have the extra Wi-Fi and Bluetooth elements in the space because that is still affecting human health. Even though you have the general Wi-Fi, we do remediate the best thing you can do is just not have it. So. Well, it, it's bringing up now the talk of, of non-native electromagnetic frequencies, which we are exposed to at all times, and something that's really important for us and that we are, are concerned with with any build, let alone um, your studio space where, you know, you're going to have your crew and your teammates, you know, working all day, is what that can, what that does to the human body and, and how that affects us and how we can mitigate that and how we can lessen that. And so that's why that was a huge component to, to make a decision like, you know, not using any smart or Wi-Fi lighting or smart or Wi-Fi um, technology in general with anything within the studio other than, you know, of course, your computers will be set up and all of that. Um, 
but to have it as as little as possible so that it's not inundating our bodies on a cellular level and so that everybody can really just work to the best of their abilities and not feel fatigued and not feel pain and not have it, you know, contribute to long-term health issues. Right. And so referring to the interview I did with Clint Ober a few months ago, he said something that stuck with quite a few people who've told me this, that if you could see all of the frequencies in the air, it would be black. (laughs) So just think about that for a moment. That's kind of scary that we just have that amount of frequencies going through the air. Some are native, some are non-native. And so that's always been very important. Elise and I tend to feel that more than other people because we've been remediated for so long. So it's like when you remove something from your diet, and then you reincorporate it, your body got used to not having it, it cleared it out, and then suddenly you reintroduce it, and your body's like, whoa, whoa, like, I'm not used to that anymore. I don't, we don't do that every day anymore. So, And people don't realize how that contributes to our health, sometimes short-term, sometimes as simple as sleep, you know, sometimes very long-term, sometimes chronic, chronic, you know, health issues. And I think that this is something that's being uncovered more and more, and that, you know, within the next few years, um, it's kind of it's it's honestly going to come out kind of like smoking and secondhand smoke, and it's going to be talked about a lot more where people are real going to realize, and there's going to be more studies that show and prove how this is affecting our bodies and why this is important to address. Right, and so I guess something we haven't done yet because the renovation is still underway, but we and there's no electrical to the building right now which is a whole nother story we actually had to run um, we had to upgrade the electrical to the building because not only was it kind of jerry-rigged and diy'd throughout the years which was very dangerous i think they had electrical in one area running through like a plumbing pvc pipe which is just not what you do so we actually did not have a choice just for the safety of the studio for the fact that we're going to have the stages operating, we're going to have power tools running, we're going to have normal offices, Wi-Fi, all the things plugged in all the time. We needed to upgrade power and they needed to make sure everything was run and wired properly. So we're still in process of that, but we will be able to actually remediate those electrical panels, which is a huge thing for health and just feeling good in a space and neutralizing the effects of those non-native frequencies. And the company we really like to work with and we've worked with for many, many years and trust is EMF Solutions. And they have created uh, a specific product for your smart meter, for your electrical panel. And it's really simple, really simple install. You just, you know, attach it on there, attach it on the wall right next to it and it butts up right against it. And it really just harmonizes the frequencies and what it does the owner, Corey, can explain this much better if you want to check out their site and get information from them. But it's really neutralizing the frequency so that instead of going in your body and our bodies and subatomically shaking us up on a cellular level, it's it's kind of quieting that noise. And it's, and it's allowing the negative frequencies that would disturb us to go into this natural material product that he's created. So it doesn't affect your Wi-Fi. It doesn't affect any devices, any products. It doesn't affect how anything works. It doesn't affect how anything connects to the internet. All it does is make it so that those non-native frequencies, those electrical frequencies are not going into your body, sticking, shaking up your cells, and causing illness. Right. And so the other thing we are doing in terms of remediating from EMFs is actually just grounding. So we're going to have a bunch of grounding pads in the studio for anybody to use so that they can just be grounded to the earth the whole day. And you're also remediated in the space. And obviously when you're walking around or have shoes on, like you can't be grounded. But we do love earthing.com's products because I've been using them a lot more since I interviewed Clint. And I feel so much energy and just very calm all the time. And it's crazy to realize how affected we can be from just being ungrounded all day and that we get so used to it. For for me, a huge piece of this puzzle of just going through Elise's healing journey with her is that we literally don't 
notice these things. So we think, oh, we're not being harmed. Something that people used to say all the time at my old work is like, it's not affecting me today. So yeah, it's not affecting you today. You may not feel it today, but our bodies are amazing and resilient and that's what they do. They, they do anything they can so that you're not feeling it today. And so it, it's special that we could create this space together that is harmonious, that is making you feel calm and that you can relax in and we don't just have to be hyped on the hamster wheel all day and not feeling these things until you feel them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also really important living somewhere where you can't go step outside barefoot for almost six months out of the year to have a product like the earthing.com products where you're able to still ground indoors. Right, exactly. I know that's something that's bugged us for a long time and we did get the little copper rivets to put on the bottom of like a really thin sheepskin boot, but those can only do so much, I think, especially when I I actually heard that snow isn't very conductive. So that's the other half of it is that even if you go step outside on the snow, you kind of have to dig to the to the earth to the grass in order to be getting the effects. So Mm -hmm. so those products are very helpful. Yeah. And I think something we haven't talked about is doors. Oh, yeah. And how beautiful they are. And you know, the stain we chose and that was also incredibly low, if if not zero VOC, was it? Yeah. So we worked with a local company called Legendary Finishes. They're like the big kahuna up here for doors and hardware and everything for for houses. And so uh, when I approached them, I wanted an FSC certified door. And of course, to get the certification is much more expensive. So what we ended up doing was getting the wood for the doors sourced through FSC certification the same way and I just didn't pay for the certificate. So they are FSC certified, they just don't have the certificate with them which didn't bother me because I can feel good about their sourcing and I don't think anybody is going to ask me for the certificate anytime soon. So that was neat. So we ended up doing a white poplar because we didn't want a wood that was too knotty that looked kind of like Montana cabin and we didn't want anything too warm that was going to make it feel kind of like 90s. So the white poplar kind of had a little bit of like greens and purple undertones, not as much yellows. And then what we ended up doing was a whitewash on it that is, yes, I told them zero to low VOC and they ended up getting an Italian brand called Renner, I believe. I can look into that and make sure I said that right. And we already know European products are already superior in terms of, you know, low toxicity and zero VOCs. So I felt comfortable moving forward with that. So we did like the whitewash with like a nice 30% sheen on it and they just yeah they they're warm for this space but they don't have like that wood warmth and it was exactly what 90s we the 90s warmth right and we just wood. we just got the 90s vibe out of this building so we didn't want to put it back <laughs> yeah although we love the 90s yes we do <laughs> So so those doors were great. We also went with really nice matte black handles from a good brand called Karcher. And I think too up in the front of the building where we haven't really like talked about um, where there's some offices, a beautiful reception area. And in those spaces, the doors are actually fitted with glass. So you can actually let in some beautiful light in those rooms and really keep the space light and bright all year. Yeah. Yeah, that was important because I realized my office wouldn't have a window and I was like, no, I can't. I can't do that. (laughs) So that was But your office does have a personal bathroom and we have four bathrooms. I wasn't going to tell anybody Ah! about my personal bathroom. But there's four baths. Okay, there's four (laughs) bathrooms in the building, two back and crew. There is a beautiful bathroom up front for client facing and we chose some really great products and companies for those as well Uh, we went with fire clay for all our tile in the bathrooms they're a beautiful handmade ceramic tile yeah so fire clay I actually even pulled up their website because they're so cool and amazing and they say mindful manufacturing everything's made in California they have 100% of carbon emissions offset with 100% renewable electricity in their factory. They are the first B Corp 
in tile. So they're B Corp certified, which is actually an incredibly hard certification to get. And if I remember correctly from something I just listened to, you, you actually have to continue to grow and get better in order to maintain your B Corp mm-hmm. certification. So they're pretty amazing and everything's handmade to order. So we waited a little longer than we wanted for everything, <laughs> but uh, it also took us a while to decide on what was the right design. And I think it'll be worth it. And another element in the bathrooms were the sinks. Um, we worked with Concretti and uh, have some beautiful freestanding uh, sinks uh, made out of concrete in different colors for each of the bathrooms. Right. Concretti was another one we found on Elemental Green. So these were kind of two design elements that we both felt pretty strongly about moving forward with and making sure we could incorporate. And something really cool about Concretti is that they had an ADA sink. So we were able to make a bathroom like um, like perfectly ADA, even though some of the others, the sink style, like you couldn't get a wheelchair under. But this one is is going to be ADA. Yeah, and that bathroom too has is it's huge. It has a ton of space and plenty of room for someone to pull in next to the toilet and it's it's going to be really great. It's going to be super comfortable for sure. Yeah, so they're luxury handcrafted concrete pieces and so they say that they use an engineered concrete formula that consists of only natural ingredients like cement, water, sand aggregate, and pigments and it's sealed with multiple layers of a high-performance waterproof sealer that permeates the concrete and forms a protective layer over the product to ensure maximum durability and minimum maintenance required. So again, some of these aspects of sustainability are literally like, can they sustain themselves? And these products can. So those were ones we were incredibly excited about. And something else I guess I'll talk about briefly is the cinder blocks because we touched on them. But uh, we realized the reason that the cinder blocks had been covered up with drywall was, well, for a few reasons, but one big one being that there was a lot of damage to the cinder blocks. And cinder blocks are kind of tough and expensive to repair because <laughs> it takes a mason and you know you build the building from the ground up but if the ground is the problem you've got to figure out a way to stabilize the building to fix that so we actually uncovered that front window and found that someone at some point had run into the building probably with a car or something and had cracked a bunch of the cinder blocks so we had a mason repair those and something interesting he shared is that he tried the best he could to match the cinder blocks which of course manufacturing practices have changed but he was still pretty confident he ended up coming back to me and telling me that these cinder blocks had been somehow infused with air they were very airy which i'm sure at the time was a way to cut down on costs the cost of cement so we couldn't match them perfectly and you can kind of tell like everything's painted but like if you look closely you can see where the repairs were versus the original pieces but he said they were like really light and airy and breakable so the nice thing is is what we've repaired with is much more durable and is not going to have the same problem so there's actually several areas we repaired and we fixed a repair they had done by the front storage garage because it just it looked like a third grader did it frankly so we fixed that and the other thing we had to do was at one point this is so sad at one point they tore out one of the windows and they put in a normal modern shop window lower down so they tore out cinder blocks and and it broke my heart when I saw that and realized that we'd have to figure out a solution and I spent a couple months trying to find a vintage steel casement window and it is very hard to find a match for a steel casement window because like we were talking about earlier, they're built into the building. So unless a building is like being demolished very carefully, you're not even gonna get these out in one piece. So the ones that were gotten out in one piece are just, you know, they're the size they are for that building that was built. So, and a lot of them are on the East Coast. So shipping is double the cost of the window. So I ended up going with a local welding company to custom match the front window to make it exactly the same dimensions. And then we had the mason fill in with some cinder block and brick to match the height and the ledge underneath, I guess you'd call it. 
So that has been the most exciting part for me, the windows and the cinder blocks, because that's the restoration elements of it. So something that the, we, the, the first thing we noticed about this building, um, and we just kind of looked past it, was the front facade of this building was definitely redone, I'd say, what, in this 90s? 1992. Yeah, 1992. Yeah. So it was this kind of like just pretty generic, like board and batten, like wood, gray facade with like a, a super like the peak roof or yeah a super it looked like the 90s it looked yeah (laughs) so basically we had to look past that and we weren't quite sure what we do and ultimately we were like we love this building we love the cinder block we had found that exposed window we knew we wanted to add in you know to replace the one that had been removed and we're like let's just take all this off and and expose the building for what it was originally yeah that was That was definitely most exciting. And I think that's something maybe people are gleaning from what we're talking about, but we can just flat out say it is this renovation has evolved. We really thought we were going to, you know, do some new paint, make a couple offices, change some lights and call it a day, like switch some things out. And this has literally turned into almost a gut, which is not what we thought would happen. But really, it's just been taking it step by step every month troubleshooting each problem, figuring out what we actually in our hearts want, and then figuring out the solution from there. So it's been special because we really, I think for a few months all spring, we were like, we're keeping the front. And then it became, okay, no, actually, let's tear the front down. So it's been, our contractor's been very patient with us (laughs) and very (laughs) adaptable. And it's been just very cool. So I think we're on month seven of the renovation and it was supposed to be done in July which would have been four months and another element on the front of the building that we um, once we started to expose some walls and really see what was under there is we had found that the front facade of the building was actually a giant barn door so you know this was right off the railroad tracks they were probably bringing railroad cars in and out all day and unloading and so Rather than filling that in with new cinder blocks, we chose actually some beautiful brick uh, from fire clay as well. So that will be inside and outside, both on the front door and on the side crew entrance door. Right. So it's a it's a brick facade. It's like a thin brick that's like a half inch that you can put almost like a veneer. And that's what we needed because we needed to be able to have the wood still framing our new doors in and we chose some steel casement doors we could i couldn't find vintage i tried and looked and it what i was looking for didn't exist they only had windows so we went with new ones which again more energy efficient they're going to last a really long time but they also match the building and so framing them in was the best thing we could do because then we could actually get the building resecured. so the side door actually was like a shop door for a hair salon (laughs) so they must have uh, something else that broke my heart was that over the years they've knocked some cinder block out to add doors here or there so they've like halved windows and made a door beside it so we've left two of the steel doors it's all working out for the design of the studio but that side door was like just a kind of a generic normal like shop storefront door but kind of narrow so we took that out and did a steel casement door so everything yeah everything matches the warehouse vibe and is true to the style of the original building and design so let's talk about floors next because that was its own journey yeah first we can go back to the sound room and we we had sourced that beautiful natural wool carpet that not only is a high pile and will absorb the sound in that room, but it's also really beautiful and it's also non-toxic. Right, and we chose something that wouldn't show as much dirt. So, because, you know, it's always nice to have something white, but if you have white and then people are tracking dirt on it, it's not going to look very good. Especially when you live in Montana and (laughs) there's a lot of mud and snow. Exactly, though I may make people take their shoes off in that room. I'm not sure how that will go over. (laughs) Well, shoes inside brings on a whole nother kind of conversation because people don't realize what we track inside on our shoes. So 
part of this whole process has been like eliminating toxins in the space. And if you're bringing, you know, shoes that are tracking in oils and bacterias and you know you don't know what you're stepping on all day depending on where you walk what what parts of the city what rooms you know what buildings what animals maybe were there right before you kind of doing their business so you don't know what you're bringing into the space and how that really affects our health and that is actually something that we practice is removing shoes when we go into Um, our homes other people's homes and yeah that might be a practice for the studio as well well it kind of is already especially in the winter we designed a mudroom that was actually your idea to have a little mudroom by the crew entrance so that in the winter people could take off their winter boots and have studio shoes to throw on so that you're not having to wear these clunky boots while you're animating or fabricating and you're also not tracking in salts and chemicals and dirt and slushy mud all over so that was a huge highlight for me and a relief for me to know that like People can throw their jackets and their shoes up and just be comfortable. They don't have to feel like they're like holding everything at their desks or, you know, somewhere, especially yeah. if clients come in, like there's spaces. Here in these. Montana, I mean, we, we have we, we have a lot of stuff, you know, we have a lot of stuff to lug around on us. We have, you know, maybe several layers on. We do. We have, you know, heavy boots. And so it, it can be uncomfortable to work all day with those either on us or or right next to us and have to worry about that. Right. And going back to flooring, so we wanted a cork flooring that was really pretty by this brand that made a, a color called Antique White. So it kind of had white elements and a little bit of texture and it looked like you it wouldn't show too much dirt and it would also like texturally like fit in the space with the other that design. brand is called Corkwise and they're an eco brand but for this space especially as a commercial space that just wasn't fully the right direction for us and instead we found a beautiful engineered hardwood by Valange I believe is how you say it it might be a European company with it has the dots above the a so I'll read a little bit about them they say that this hardwood is three to five times stronger than traditional engineered and solid wood flooring. It's 100% real wood, which isn't always the case with engineered hardwood. And you get 10 times more flooring out of the raw material than traditional wood floors. So it's faster, easier, stronger, and water resistant. So, so we- it is more sustainable. It's a sustainable option and it's a beautiful option. Um, And it's another element that really lightens and brightens the space. You know, everything that we chose really is very light and lightening. And and we're really steering away from a darker environment. Right. Because it really did feel darker. It was more of a maze with like how the rooms were. And it was so sectioned off that it really needed to be opened up and brightened and to have those beautiful casement windows bringing natural light in and And we even got some windows put in on a garage door, the big back bay garage door. So now the set shop has natural light as well, which isn't super common either. So a lot of thought went into making sure that every person who walks in this space to do their work for the day is feeling as healthy and happy and calm and and just good as possible. And to that, let's talk about the kitchen because the kitchen was designed in mind for, you know, your crew and for everybody that's coming in and working hard for you to create beautiful animations every day. And where we started with that was cabinets. Right. So we worked with a local company called Northwest Cabinet Works and we told them how important it was for us to source sustainably and to find something as eco-friendly as possible. So the man I worked with there, Josh, let me pick from a few different companies, and I ended up liking this one called Eggers, which is European, I believe German, and they have incredible, amazing sustainability practices and are very eco-conscious in their manufacturing. They have a closed-loop system. Everything is reused, and so we felt really good about moving forward with that. We got really lucky because we wanted a finish that was 
was limited or they had discontinued it. Yeah, of course, we the finish that we chose for the space uh, we found out was going to be discontinued. So I think we got pretty much the last of it for this project and it looks beautiful and it kind of brings like an element that ties back into like the concrete sinks and it kind of has a bit of that like texture to it. And then we did a natural stone countertop and backsplash, which is a mix between marble and granite, and it's really beautiful. We decided to go with natural stone because originally we were looking for a quartz countertop that there are some companies that will take the waste from the other ones and put together to make a new one, which is nice. But at the end of the day, that's still a bunch of glue holding those pieces together. So we really took our time on this one. And at the end of the day, like, again, it's this balance of being eco-conscious and also having these non-toxic and these elements that make you feel good. And so I think, you know, just gauging from Elise as we were talking and going through the process, it was really about feeling good and feeling like, this space worked and we didn't just want to choose something that was eco because it was eco and then it threw off the color or it just didn't look right and so uh, we went with this fantasy brown as it's called this granite marble and it just it feels really nice it grounds that room and it really brings an element of montana it kind of darkens the space up a little bit and it kind of brings that element of you know, maybe nodding to the rivers outside or the mountains and it really kind of brings back in our location and where we're at and kind of is like a little nod to that yeah so the other element that we added to the kitchen that was very important is the washer dryer and that's important for mainly because you'll be able to have uh, reusable towels and reuse things that are reusable as opposed to throw away and you'll be able to just you know pop them right in And something really cool that we found to go along with that is a device that attaches to the washer dryer and it actually uses ozone to kill any bacteria within your washing cycle. So you don't even have to use any soaps. So you don't have to be using you know, even if we get into toxic and non-toxic aspects of laundry detergents and, you know, going through those products, at this point, we've completely canceled that out. So, you know, these are going to be completely disinfected without anything other than this ozone treatment. Right. So this is called O3 Waterworks, and it says O3, also known as enhanced oxygen or ozone, contains three loosely bound oxygen atoms that readily give up oxygen ion to react and oxidize with organic contaminants. So basically, they've created this ozone machine, like Elise said, that in 30 seconds can kill 99.9% of common bacteria and germs, and then quickly revert back to pure oxygen and water, so you're never exposed to harmful chemicals. What more could you want? (laughs) So that was really exciting for us to find and to get to incorporate in this project. Um, And to just make kind of life within the studio easier on the behind the scenes end of a functioning studio. So the other element in the kitchen that was very important to make sure we were included is a reverse osmosis water filtration system so that everybody can have clean drinking water. And that system that we really like is called Live Pristine by, I believe, Pristine Hydro, pristinehydro.com. And the reason that we like their specific RO system is because um, not only is it putting the water through the reverse osmosis filters, but it's also remineralizing and restructuring the water. And so most people don't realize when you have RO water, when you go through the reverse osmosis cycle, it's actually removing everything. So it's removing the beneficial minerals in water that we actually need. If you don't drink water that has minerals in it, this is chemistry, the water will literally pull the minerals from your body. So it will deplete you, which is not good for our health. Um, And it's not a long term, you know, option. So that was incredibly important to find this company and to know that it's, it's just you don't even have to think about it. It's being remineralized. And also so nice that they do the restructuring. So as animals, and as you know, a part of nature, we are supposed to be ingesting and drinking structured water. 
and most people don't and most people don't even really know what that means and what that is and if you think about it when um, water is going through its natural process in nature it's going through you know hills and valleys and mountains and rocks and different elements and it's flowing in different directions and then we are ingesting it so it's alive the water is alive and most people are drinking essentially dead water and so you're putting that in your body and it's not natural for us and it's not healthy for us so remineralization restructured water is definitely the way to go and I think it's really amazing that you're able to offer that at your studio and to you know crew and anyone coming to visit that there's unlimited supply of clean restructured remineralized water Right. We're like a walking advertisement today (laughs) or a sitting advertisement. But yeah, I I mean, I don't mind though. It's nice to just share what we've found that works because we've done years and years of research and have tried everything. And that was, we have had other RO systems and didn't know it was stripping the body of minerals. And so this was important too, because like I didn't want to have a water service. I didn't want to have to deal mm -hmm. with not really understanding or knowing exactly what the source was. And that's a huge part of your mission and just a huge part of like our life ethos, you know, is that you need to give the information away. Like, let's share it. Like, everybody should be able to live this way. Everybody should have access to this. I mean, going through what we went through with my health and just learning everything we've learned, you know, I would have loved to know all of this, you know, years ago. We should all know this from birth, you know. This this should all be common knowledge and common within society to be able to thrive and live to the best of our abilities here in this life. Right. I know I feel like my real education began like in 2017, which or 2016, 2017, which was like around when we started finding you help. And I like did my yoga training and I actually started like really going inward and and getting in tune with the body. And we started detoxifying the home and realizing what was around us all the time. And that was really when I felt like I started learning real things about like being human and what we need and don't need and not all the the educational stuff from school and all the things you learn that you think are so cool that are random facts but really don't do you any good as like a human being trying to like be a living organism. So uh-huh. we need fresh air, fresh water, we need, you know, friends and family and hugs. We need a great work environment. We need to be creative. We need to use our hands. We need to be in nature. That's what life is. That's what humans are supposed to be doing. Right. And the only other element I'll discuss in the kitchen is the induction oven because that is a much more energy efficient oven and it was also important to me not to have an open flame in the kitchen with the gas. You know, if someone accidentally left it on and or just the gas was going all day and then someone else lights a beeswax candle, like I just felt like the gas is toxic and we we just I didn't want that extra hazard. So the induction oven just eased my worries and is going to be much more efficient and fast to use because we'll also be using it for our homemade recipes for fabrication and it just overall is going to be a much smoother process. And that was something we had to keep in mind too is this kitchen wasn't just, you know, oh, you know, let's take an hour break for lunch, let's heat something up, let's grab something from the fridge. It's also like functioning for the studio and for your research and development and for your fabrication teams to be able to, like you said, create these recipes that you've really like honed in on and really have had to figure out and are going to continue to figure out more and more and and make them even better. Right. There's still so much R&D to do and even like you know, if we need clay for a project, we're going to make that on the stovetop. And also beeswax candles, we keep remelting and reusing the wax. And so that was really important. But also, I wanted induction because we are not having a microwave. So people are going to have to heat up their lunch on the stovetop. Mm-hmm. That was a decision that maybe some people would think is not that big of a deal. But for this space and for your values and the studio's mission and the studio's values and with health in mind and wellness in mind it really was not in alignment to provide a microwave right 
So something else we forgot briefly about that was really cool that we learned when we opened up all the drop ceilings, there was the original under, you know, ceiling under roof area that has all these little beams and you could see like concrete on them. There was something on them and I asked our general contractor, I was like, is that mold? Like, what is that? And he said, no, that's actually concrete. They used the beams to create a mold for the concrete foundation and because things were so costly back then and because like everything was more about preserving resources so they took those concrete molds and then reused them as the beams in the ceiling which i just thought was so cool and so aligned with our mission too so we did cover those back up because ultimately if we had left all the ceilings really high and exposed we would have had a little bit of a harder time with lighting and also we would have had to cover the insulation up with something else anyway so we just went with going room by room and choosing how high the ceilings would be but that element alone was just really special and cool to learn about and it just again made us feel even more reinforced of like why we wanted to do this restoration rather than a tear down which i mean we would never have done but we fell in love with the building And the other element that we found when we exposed the ceilings was a completely different way of building. So the way that they were holding up the ceiling of this this 6,000 square foot cinder block building was with these tensioned metal rods going from one end to the other and kind of uh, tensioned with bolts. And that's it. And they're, they were gorgeous. That was for the purpose of having a cinder block building so that it didn't settle and start caving in or out. So those rods that are still existing, we of course left them. They're ensuring that basically, I feel like this word comes from yoga. I learned it in yoga, the tensegrity of the building, like the ability, or it comes from actually from bridges. Tensegrity is the idea that everything is kind of like would move together and is connected together so if you like remove one part the whole is going to kind of like shift over that way so yeah in yoga you talk about it in relation to anatomy with like the fascia and muscles and bone and how they're all kind of like in that space together they're all connected so with bridge building it's like if you think about those I don't know what they're called, but like the suspension bridges, like if you snap something, the whole thing's going to fall. So this is kind of the same concept in this building of just like it ensures that the building can stay upright, that the cinder blocks aren't going to start settling one way or another. And what a beautiful like metaphor or reflection for your studio and for the building that's holding the space like for your creation is to have that balance. Right, exactly. So this brings us to a little bit more nuanced of just now that the space is almost done being renovated, we have the stage space, the whole stage room that I've started to troubleshoot like, okay, like how are we going to make the stages and what are we going to use? So there was a lot of back and forth. We ended up having to put some beams on the ceiling in the stages, which lowers the height from the ceiling of any you know curtain rods to be six inches below so we've decided on curtain tracks and of course those curtains are going to be wool instead of duvetyn and duvetyn is a cotton curtain that's treated with a flame retardant chemical it's very common in film in general and duvetyn curtains are just what you use in stop motion to create your little blackout stage spaces so Uh, I've already been using wool curtains, 100% wool. They're inherently flame retardant. I've talked a lot about this on social media and in, I believe, my first podcast of Return to Nature. And that has been an important element of just talk about, you know, we're, we're talking about flooring, we're talking about all these different aspects of a build, but thinking about what you're actually walking into every day and touching every day, those curtains have been a huge thing for me of making sure that they're non-toxic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a great find for sure. Yeah. So now we're at the stage where the renovation is over halfway done. It's coming to a close. We have everything figured out. Everybody just needs to come and do their part. And so now it's the fun part for me, which has been, and the fun part for Elise, which is furnishing, which is getting in the studio equipment. So I'll let Elise talk a little about furnishing the space and what we're finding. 
Yeah, I just think I'll touch a little bit on what types of furniture and and materials that we're looking for for the space. We want to make sure that they're low or zero VOC. So, you know, which VOC is volatile organic compounds. And we're also making sure to utilize as natural of materials as possible. So a lot of woods and just really like make sure to keep the space really warm and inviting and comfortable for crew every day as well as anyone coming to visit and anyone and for you Melissa and for anyone in the front offices to just make sure that those spaces stay non-toxic and stay eco-conscious all the way through furniture and that we don't you know lose that aspect of it as well and that we don't bring any additional toxins in with the furniture Um, like you were talking about with the wool curtains the original curtains that most studios would use have a chemical treatment on them that also is utilized in a lot of furniture making mostly for couches and anything with a textured material and upholstery so that's something that we want to make sure we're not bringing into the space and it's really important as well right and even in stocking up equipment I've been talking to my old studio I used to work for to get some used equipment from them and I even had to say no to some things that I knew were going to have chemicals attached to them so that's been interesting of like realizing okay like there's an easy way to just like grab this used stuff and then there's a hard way which is researching a lot more to find another version that doesn't have the chemicals so I, I did get a bunch of good stuff and the studio has a bunch of used things refurbished things we, you know, we do have to get some new things occasionally, especially things like lights, which we then go for the energy efficient LEDs. You know, we'll, we'll continue to talk about work culture, especially on social media and in future episodes. Things like wearing blue light glasses is going to definitely help in cutting down the exposure to that blue light all day to the LEDs. So definitely I'm feeling grateful that I got to work with my sister on this and that all of her expertise has come into this project so that there's so much intention behind each room and each design and each material chosen. And I'm so excited I got to work with you on this. I think this was a really special project and there's just a lot of love and soul put into everything and it's really a beautiful space and I cannot wait to see what comes out of it.